0: Hello, Connected Parents and welcome to another episode of Connected Parenting. Today, I wanna talk about parental anxiety and parental trauma. There is a lot of information in the parenting world that helps us understand what children are going through, what they're experiencing, what's behind some of their behaviors and how our behavior affects them. And there's a lot of information on our own trauma and our own um, stressors or issues that happened to us when we were children and how that impacts on our parenting. But there's not a lot of discussion about how upsetting and traumatic and devastating it can be to be a parent and how awful it is to have a child that's suffering and struggling. And so this episode is really going to dive into that and to give you some strategies on how to help. Hi, everyone. I'm Jennifer Colary. I'm a child and family therapist and a parenting coach and the founder of Connected Parenting. And welcome to the Connected Parenting weekly podcast. Join me every week and we'll tackle everything from temper tantrums, to bedtime, to sibling issues, to teenage angst. Parenting can be so wonderful, but it can be so hard. Parents often say to me, hey, can you just come live at my house? This is the next best thing. Let's do this together. So understanding where the child is coming from and how our behavior impacts on them is incredibly important. It's a big part of Connect Parenting. And in no way do I want to suggest that that's not a major issue. Um, and we've also talked about in some of the podcasts, our own trauma, childhood trauma, how we were parented, if we were spanked or um, you know, had really difficult parents or unavailable parents, um, how that informs and affects our parenting. But today I really wanna focus on how hard it can be, how scary it can be and how anxiety provoking it can be so that you have real anxiety uh, that's very difficult to manage. Um, that you are currently experiencing because your children are suffering. Um, children suffer for a number of different reasons. Some struggle academically with learning issues, ADHD, being on the spectrum. And so, of course, that's terrifying to think about, um, you know, will the world accept them? Will family understand them? You know, what kind of opportunities are they going to have? And how can I help to create the best environment for my child? And that's a huge stressor. Um, but it's also really challenging when you have a child that's behavioral. So a kid that is aggressive and angry and violent, um, I've worked with parents who have cuts on their arms and bite marks and things have been thrown at them and, uh, you know, damage done, uh, because their child is so out of control and there's also a lot of shame that goes with that. There's a lot of judgment. I would never let my child behave that way. What's going on in that house that that child gets away with that? They just, the child just needs a good, you know what? Um, there's a lot of judgment. So on top of being pummeled physically sometimes, uh, emotionally often, um, you're also misjudged and misunderstood. And um, there's a lot of pressure on parents who have children who are behavioral and a lot of judgment. And that is that is, that is also <laughs> very difficult. It can be very traumatic to, to manage. Um, it's very painful when people don't understand your child, especially when family doesn't understand your child. But if your child is misunderstood or even disliked by teachers and other adults, that can be really, really devastating. Um, it can also be very painful to have a child that's you know, paralyzed by procrastination, just smart, intelligent, capable, but won't do the work. And no matter how much you uh, try to help them stay organized and pressure them and motivate them and reward them, they just get stuck. They're absolutely paralyzed by their own procrastination. And that of course is terrifying for a parent thinking, oh my gosh, what's going to happen to my child? What's their future going to look like? How are they ever going to learn these skills? Um, And that is really, really tough. So this really shows up in a number of ways for us, um, for parents who have kids who are behavioral, um, you know, if they're at a play date or at school and the phone rings, that'll do it. So just literally gripped by fear of, Oh God. And and it's not funny. Like you, you literally, your stomach drops out and you think you lose your breath. It's really an an intense, intense physical feeling that your brain, uh, interprets as a threat and as danger. So the midbrain can't tell the difference between something that is life-threatening and something that's just very upsetting. It sends all the same signals, cortisol, adrenaline, uh, surging through your body causing the frontal lobe, which is the part of the brain that can take perspective, make a plan. Um, you know, think about past experiences, what worked the last time, what didn't work the last time, um, those things all get shut down and you don't have access to that. You're literally in a panic, um, children who are very intense and extremely sensitive, um, who don't regulate well, who need their parents to regulate will often send really tough, like terrifying texts. Um, you know, they did badly on a test. I, you know, I'm going to drop out of school. I'm going to kill myself. I can't, I can't do this anymore. And you get a text like that in the middle of your work day and your stomach falls out and you can't breathe. And you are absolutely in a panic and you can't focus on your job. You can't do other tasks. You are literally stuck uh, sharing that panicky moment with your child. Uh, It's incredibly stressful when you have a child that struggles with depression and anxiety, and they send you really um, terrifying dark texts that, um, because they want you to understand what they're going through, what's happening to them. They literally want to Share that with you so they don't feel so alone. They have no other options often. They have no other coping mechanisms often. Um, but that is really, really tough on parents. Um, and I, you know, dads, it's very, very tough on. Uh, but moms in particular just get really, really overwhelmed by these kinds of texts and messages and conversations. They're very difficult and very heavy. Um, often, Parents don't want to share this information with friends and family. They'll get judgment, or people won't get it, or they'll say, Oh, it's just a stage. And they don't really understand the depth um, of trauma and fear that you go through. Um, it, they don't quite understand, unless you have a child like this, you won't really understand. So if you have a family member or a good friend that has hinted at, struggling this way, really, really try to just connect with them and take care of them and ask them if there's anything that they need and don't, don't go into cheerleading. And, um, you know, there's a time for that if the person is actually asking you for advice, but if they're just really suffering and struggling, just, just kind of be there with them and be really careful not to offer a kind of oversimplified, um, you know, parenting advice. Believe me, if there is a, a parent listening and their child has been to this place with this much anxiety and this much anger, that parent literally could give a parenting workshop. They have read everything, they have been to workshops, they have they have attended seminars and read books, and they're usually very, very well informed. Um, and it's really just helpful to be supportive and and uh, and kind and and uh, available to them. But most parents don't share this with anyone unless they know the person talking to them really understands or has a child like this of their own. Um, so I wanted to kind of talk about some strategies. In, in other podcasts, I've talked about what to do when your child is really anxious and what to do when your child is really suffering or struggling or sending you those really dark messages. Um, there's quite a few podcasts on that. And of course, I go into detail in that on the course, and I'll, I'll speak to it a little bit in this podcast, but this podcast is really about parents. Um, in those moments, same thing. You just want to join with your child, to soothe them, to listen to them. When you try to talk them out of it and you try to tell them it's going to be okay, um, they will just double down and try to find all the reasons um, that it's not going to be okay. And that will further make you upset because sometimes they're incredibly convincing In their argument. So just soothing them and what I call darting in and darting out. So coming in, being available, rubbing their back, offering them some water. I'm sorry your brain is doing this to you. I'm sorry you're having such a difficult time. And then leaving, gathering yourself again, and then coming back in. That's really the best way to serve and to help your child in those really difficult moments, but it's also really self-preservatory. And it helps you so that you get some time to kind of come away from that Uh, really heaviness and get some perspective and ground yourself and then go back in. Um, So I wanted to give you a few strategies that I think can really help. And of course, it's important to mention that often what happens is polarizing. So, you know, one parent has a very clear idea that you just need to set limits and drag that kid out of bed or tell them to go to school anyway, or, you know, whatever it is. Um, And of course they love their child and they are also fearing that their child won't have the tools and uh, ability to function in the world. And they're constantly worried that the child is being enabled and there's not enough happening to to help them. And the sort of polar opposite to that is uh, often the parent who is understanding that this is a very big situation, that it will take time for the child to come out of it, that skills need to be built slowly uh, you know, just like having a physical illness, you can't just drag someone out of bed. That's sort of very common. If some if a child is depressed, it's like, well, why don't you go have a walk and take a shower, and you're going to feel better. And um, and that sounds reasonable and logical. And maybe in an hour or two after they've kind of worked through this with you, they'll be able to do that. Uh, sometimes you just have to wait until they can move again and come out of that state again. Um, what a parent goes through, though watching their beautiful child who they raised and brought into the world with incredible hope for them, Um, what it's like to watch your child suffer. Yes, your child is suffering and it's very painful and that's sort of the center of it in that moment. But the fact that you are also in pain and suffering and can't really think about anything else, there's that famous quote, I think it's from the book, the Poisonwood Bible, that you're only as happy as your saddest child. And if you have multiple kids, you're often going from one kind of issue to the next, and it is exhausting. And often uh, parents, moms in particular, um, get really depleted and really anxious and really start to not function very well themselves. Um, So let me talk about some strategies now for the parent. So the first one that I think is very simple it really is, and it's something that you have to do constantly. It's a way to kind of retrain your brain, but it really does help. Is to try in those moments when you're not with your child or there isn't you're in the, don't have any text. It's just actually an okay moment. You know, that's often we think, oh, I haven't heard from them in a while, and right, that feeling comes back. Um, just take a second and see if you can direct your brain to something neutral. I've talked about this strategy a lot and it takes a lot of practice and it takes a lot of training, but it's incredibly effective. You are rewiring your brain to think about something else. So you're thinking about something attractive around your house or in your room or a certain corner that you really like or something that's out the window or how soft your sweatpants are that you're wearing or something like that. The taste of your coffee or your tea, just kind of be mindful, just be in the moment and see how many things you can find that are pleasant, that are neutral, that are not anxiety provoking, just kind of simple little thoughts that you can focus on. When your brain says, what are you doing? You should be down here worrying. You have no time for this. You've gotta be worrying about your child or whatever else is going on in your life. Um, Take a second, honor that feeling and go back to thinking about something neutral. Once you can sort of comfortably think about something neutral, now you can start to look around and find things that are really pleasant or that you're very grateful for. And then you can move yourself into thinking about what you want instead of what you don't want. So instead of sitting there and thinking, okay, my child doesn't have a future or the teacher hates them, or they've got that huge assignment and they, they're never going to finish, they never finish anything and what's going to happen, which really just, just alerts the brain. It keeps you in fight or flight. It keeps you cycling through these waves and waves of fear and anxiety. Take a minute and think about what you want for your child. Picture them uh, at something they're really capable of. See them solving a problem for you, seeing them be really helpful with their grandparent or their pet. Um, think of them being funny or I I don't know, a speech that they gave. Think about all the things that they are capable of doing, all of the strengths that they do have, even though the anxiety or the sadness or some of the behavior might be getting in the way. Focus that, see it, feel it. And in your mind, try to make it as vivid and as real, add sounds and color and add the emotion. So really feel yourself being proud or smiling or feeling happy. Now, of course your brain is gonna go, what are you doing? They're not that, they're this. Um, and you'll go through the cycle again. But in those few moments that you've actually taken your brain out of that fear cycle and you've actually thought about their strengths and pictured them doing well and seeing them happy and laughing or handing in that essay or, or whatever it is, um, your brain cannot tell the difference between something that you are imagining Something that you're remembering or something that's actually happening. So, for these brief moments that you're actually um, assimilating yourself into that uh, imaginary world, your brain will start sending out the appropriate biochemicals like serotonin, like oxytocin that block cortisol that will actually help you feel better. So you're literally medicating yourself while you're doing that. So this takes practice, little bit by little bit, you might only be able to do it for 30 seconds. And then your brain goes back into thinking about something scary, And then you do it again. And maybe you can get 45 seconds and you just keep going and keep, keep going until you feel like you are the thinker of your thoughts. And you have the ability to kind of toggle around and feel different things at will which you can because truly being in that anxious space where you're panicking too, your sensitive or anxious child or your child that's really struggling with something you know being bullied or you know that's a really good example when your child is being bullied it is absolutely devastating i almost think it's worse for the parent it's excruciating if if your child has been bullied and going through something it's really really tough But you are not helping your child by being in that state. So, that you know, you think if you can't do it for yourself, try doing it for your child so that they don't have your anxiety, your panicky face, your big, wide saucer eyes um, to deal with in addition to what they're feeling. They're going to be looking to you, they will gauge their response based on yours. So, if you look panicked, that's going to add to their panic. So, you'll actually really help them by being quite neutral. You don't have to act like nothing's matters or it's, well, it's not a big deal. That's invalidating. That's not what I'm talking about. It's being urgent and understanding that it's a problem, but without uh, that panic response yourself. And this takes practice. Um, Okay. The second thing I think that's really helpful is think about, I like to use mama bear and papa bear. Think about that part of you that would just die for your child, would do anything for your child, that would take you know, switch places with them in a heartbeat so that they don't have to feel what they're feeling. Think about that part of you and personify it a little bit. And, you know, you can sort of make it, make it a bigger version of you or make it look like a, I don't know, a bounce or at a bar or something. Give it, give it a, um, make it an entity. And I'll explain why this is important in a second. And then imagine, this is a variation, I think it's called internal family systems. It's a really interesting uh, psychotherapy, it, it's a really interesting way to kind of think about how we all have these different personalities that compete and some of them take over and some of them get stuck um, and, and have to do with trauma and other things that have happened in our lives. So so kind of give that mama bear, popper bear an, a, a shape and a form, ask them, it's so ridiculous, it sounds silly but ask them if it's okay to speak to them because if you don't, your anxiety is going to spike it's going to think, oh, you're trying to get rid of me. That's not okay. I'm gonna make you more anxious so you don't try any of this nonsense again. Uh, Anxiety is really clever. Um, So actually talk to it and say, I really really like permission to kind of talk to you. You you are so scared for your child and you're terrified and you're so powerful and you're so strong and you come out swinging and you're just impressive with how powerful you are. I can feel it in my stomach and my chest. I can hardly breathe. I love that you're doing that for me and for your child, um, but it's getting out of control. And I feel like we've lost balance. And then send that part of you some love, like some love, thank it. It must be exhausted. Honestly, it's, it has to be so tired and just send it some love and flood that part of you. You'll often feel it in your chest. Sometimes you'll feel it in the other upper part of your stomach, sometimes in both places and just literally imagine sending um, a warm wave or ray of love into that part of your body and just kind of send it in waves and stay with that feeling until you metabolize it a little bit. Now, this sounds so crazy, but this really makes a lot of sense when you understand biochemistry in the body and, and feelings and emotions just want attention. They want to be heard. They want you to register them So they can, they know for sure that you have your attention. You're going to deal with whatever that situation is. Now, what's often the struggle with anxiety is what, what you're anxious about. You can't do anything about in that moment. It's not anything that's actually physically happening in front of you. It's about a future thing that you're worried about or a state that your child is in. And there's nothing you can do. You can't take anything away. You can't fix it in that moment. So it becomes really difficult for the body to deal with that level of stress. So you're going to use your imagination. I call it imagineering. You're actually going to be using your imagination to focus your attention on that feeling and send it appreciation and love. And this is the same thing you would do with your child. If they came to you, you would listen, you would send them love, and then you would sort of solve the problem and see where you could go after that. So do the same thing with your emotions. You will change your biochemistry and this is how you know you're doing it. You stay with it just kind of sending those waves of love. And then what will happen is you'll just start to feel it going away a little bit. And then something will pop in your head. Oh, i got to buy this tomorrow. Or, oh, i got to answer that email. Or, oh, what about this? Your brain will let it go. And you'll start thinking about something else. And that's how you know for the moment you've literally alchemized that emotion. You have changed the biochemistry in your body. So there are now new biochemical signals coming in. And that momentary... um, episode of fight or flight has kind of just changed. It's, it's altered. It might come back 20 minutes later and then you do the same thing. Um, okay. So then the third strategy, um, that I think is really, really helpful is create a slideshow. You don't even have to be too technical or watch a YouTube video on how to do it. Make a little slideshow on your phone, find some beautiful music, some inspirational movie music, instrumental, And pull out photos of trips, vacations, baby pictures, um, cuddly moments, really happy times, and see if you can create uh, a slideshow to this music and have that ready so that when you feel really stressed, when you really need uh, help to change that biochemistry in your body, you put your headphones in and you watch that little video. And if you're really creative, you can make two or three of them. Uh, and that will really help you uh, feel better in the moment. Uh, sometimes, and this sounds a little crazy, but sometimes when you're really stressed, it even helps to have your um, headphones in and just have some calming, relaxing background music playing that actually just helps you um. Kind of bring yourself into a different state that can be really helpful or doing that for a few minutes before your kids come home from school or before dinner or before a big transition in the day that can be really really helpful so i want you to try those things it is really difficult and um you know i'm doing my best to give you as much information and as many tools as i can but truly the parent, parental anxiety, and that parental trauma of watching your child suffer, is really inexplicable, and very, and people don't get it. They don't understand. They really don't, unless you have a child um, that's really suffering. It's very difficult to get. So I do know that in, in our community, you're not alone. Uh, we have a few resources for parents. We have the Village, which is a weekly. Um, parenting group, which is, uh, hosted by connected parenting team members that are there to help you with, with support. Um, lots of love, lots of strategies. The parents in that group are amazing and they get it. That's their life. They totally understand There's a tremendous amount of understanding and support in that group. Um, the online course is also fantastic. You can just do the video version where I take you through in detail. Um, You know what, actually, you need to know about the connected parenting method. And then there's also the version of the course where I'm interacting with everyone in the Facebook group. Um, And I'm also doing monthly coaching calls with everyone. And that's another place to just kind of feel like, oh, I'm not alone. There are other people going through these very same things. Um, The books are out there. I'll continue to create podcasts, giving you more information that you'll have access to. Don't forget about the other podcast that I do the Mental Health Comedy Podcast, where we interview comedians and entertainers. Um, who struggle with mental health issues. And it's very strategy-based. That'll really help you. It'll give you more tools to help you kind of regulate and stay balanced and deal with how really challenging it can be to be a parent sometimes. Um, Anyway, thank you for listening. I will see you next time on the next episode of Connected Parenting.